you for listening, supporting, and sharing the podcast. The following is an interview. Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Apprehension, also known as BCA, interview with former Minneapolis police officer Tu Tao, spelled T O U, capital T H A O, Tu Tao, in the George Floyd killing on May 25th, 2020. NPR News posted this interview on August 14th, 2020. In the notes is the following description. In an interview with Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Apprehension, Investigators Tao said he responded to the scene to back up other rookie officers in an area known to be hostile to police. Interview is located at https colon forward slash forward slash www dot dot org forward slash story s t o r y forward slash 2020 forward slash 08 dot 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 may i open a parenthesis and say Whenever I hear the testimony that says we were in fear of our lives and or that the officers were in fear of their lives, that the crowd was hostile, I would um, submit that If this was an area known to be hostile to police, that officers with experience would know, even officers with a little bit of a few hours on the job would know that if you're going into a hot zone, a hostile area, you roll in there deep. You have at your disposal to roll into a hostile area with as many officers, guns, vehicles, all the backup, if you have to call them from out of state. So I can't really take that excuse seriously at all. George Floyd was not armed. The so-called hostile crowd was not armed. There were no objects thrown 
at the offices, but I digress. Let's listen to the interview. It's one hour, 40 minutes, 10 seconds. And of course, it's posted on YouTube, so there will be breaks with ads coming in, breaking up the the interview. Once again, it's the Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Apprehension interview with former Minneapolis police officer to Tao, the one that was insulting, agitating the crowd. Thank you for listening. Got a couple waters for you guys if you need. All right. Let me sit here. Where would you, uh, where do you want everybody? Uh, awesome. Just come and sit here. That'd be great. Bob, where are you? His attorney, two towels attorney. There's three investigators from the BCA. Tau and his attorney, Mr. Robert Pauly. All right. 
Um, so before we started here, you were, I presented you with that form, the investigative warning form. You had an opportunity to review that? Yes. <clears throat> Discuss that prior with your attorney? Yes, sir. All right, so is it your understanding that you're here voluntarily? Yes. You realize you're not under arrest and going to be arrested? I do understand. Okay, so um, everything that we're going to talk about here is on a voluntary basis. Um, do you, Bob, anything you want to add before we kind of get into it, or? I, I don't have anything specific to add, thank you. Okay, great. All right, well, if it's okay with you, I'd just like to kind of start and ask some questions. Uh, usually just kind of start with some background information, if that's okay. Okay. Um, I guess just, can you tell me, like, what level of education you have after high school? Um, Associates Art, uh, Law Enforcement from uh, North Highland Community College. Okay, and uh, when did you get your associate degree? Um, what year? I guess. Roughly probably 2008. 2008, okay. Um, and then prior to becoming a police officer in Minneapolis, what, what did you do for a living? I did uh, security. Where at? Uh, Wayland Security was, was the last one. Is that here in the Twin Cities? Correct. Okay. Um, what year did you get hired by Minneapolis Police? Uh, up, uh, I believe 2008 was when I got hired as a community service officer. Okay, and can you just explain what a community service officer is for the city of Minneapolis? Um, it's kind of a recruitment uh, mechanism to kind of recruit uh, uh, folks from uh, different backgrounds. And, um, I, got, uh, I applied and uh, got accepted, accepted in. Pretty much is kind of a they pay for our education and prep us for the uh, police again. Okay, so is that a sworn licensed position as a no. community service officer? Okay, and how long did you do? Were you in that position? Uh, roughly a year and a half. Year and a half. Okay, and this would have been 08 until about 09 or so. Yep. Okay. Um, do you have any prior military experience? No. Were you ever a police officer anywhere else other than City of Minneapolis? No. Okay. Um, so after the CSO or community service officer position, what, what's the next, I guess, step or progression? Uh, I guess police officer. The community service officer gets, that they pass and get licensed, they get, uh, and then they get promoted to a recruit officer. Okay. Attend the police academy. Roughly, do you remember when you started the recruit academy? Uh, I'd say... Well, uh, 2009. 2009? Okay. And how long is the Recruit Academy? Uh, about, uh, it's like six, four to six months. Four to six months. Okay. Or and trial off. off no, that, that, just rough estimates, fine. Um, so what, what's kind of the, what's kind of the, the day-to-day at the Academy? Like, what do you, what do you do at the Academy? What do you learn at the Academy? Um, pretty much just uh, you kind of get the tools to learn uh, to become a police officer. Okay. Um, learn policy and uh, skills that, that, that will eventually be used into street. Like what are what are some examples of some things that you would learn at the academy? Uh, policy, defensive tactics, scenario based uh, training, firearms. Firearms. Okay. Um, is, is there a component of the academy that's like scenario based learning? Yes. Did you ever have any um, uh, formal training at the academy or even maybe after the academy in um, crisis intervention or de-escalation techniques or anything like that? Yes, the police department uh, at some point had sent the whole department through a uh, uh, crisis intervention training. Okay. Do you, do you recall how lengthy of a training that was? I believe it was a, a week. It was a 40-hour or a week long, and you successfully completed that? Yes, sir. Do you approximately know what year that was? I do not recall offhand. Was it after the police academy? Uh, it was... Or during the academy? Uh, I believe they, they have a little part, the CIT training. Yep. Um, but uh, most of my, uh, I guess most of the intensive training occurred at, I, I, I don't know, maybe the five-year mark in my career. Okay. Okay. Uh, just roughly. All right. So you're already on the job on the street. 
when you went through that? Was that a voluntary thing or did they send you? It was a mandatory thing. Mandatory thing. Okay, and you, just so I'm clear, you did successfully complete that? Yes. Okay, and when you say CIT, we're talking about crisis intervention training? Correct. Okay. Um, if we'll come back to that um, a little bit. Um, as a, so in the academy, are you, are you taught like first aid and CPR and things like that? Yes. Um, what, what's like the highest or what level are you at as far as medical training? Of uh, pretty much it's just first aid and then uh, refreshers okay. uh, every few years. So, first aid. okay, so basic like CPR, first aid, you're not like an EMT or higher than that? Nope. Okay. And is that something that they train you in the academy and then you refresh every so often? Is that a yearly refresher? I want to say it's uh, bi yearly. Bi okay. I, I don't remember offhand. Okay, understood. So after the academy period ends, what's kind of the next step in your training? Uh, you go through the field uh, training officer, officer school. Okay. Um, and is the abbreviation for that FTO? Correct. Okay. Um, approximately how long is that process for you? Um, I believe it's like six months of process. So you have four to six months in the training academy and then another four to six, or another approximately six months. Roughly, definitely. And then just kind of generally, kind of high level, what, what do you do in FTO training? How does that work? Uh, pretty much you kind of follow a uh, mentor officer, experience officer. Mm -hmm. um, they, they kind of just teach you the ropes of uh, being a police officer in the yeah. railroad. Is it the same training officer through the entire process, or do you get, yeah. how, how do you, how do they mix that up? Um, I believe uh, it, it, every month you, do, you cycle through different uh, training officers. Okay. Um, so are you in different parts of the city and different shifts and things like that, or do you kind of just stay on the same? Uh, I believe you're assigned to a precinct for the first a few months, and then you um, get reassigned to a different precinct for different exposures. So during your FTO process, what precincts were you assigned? Um, I was assigned fourth, first, uh, and also third. Fourth, first, and third. Okay, so fourth precinct is what part of the city then? The north of Minneapolis. First is what? Uh, downtown. Downtown area. And then, well, third is south Minneapolis. Okay. Um, did you successfully complete your FTO training, or did you have to get kind of extra training? or? Uh, I did a get extra training. Like an extension, I think they call it. Correct. Okay. And how long of an extension was it? I don't recall offhand. Um, Maybe like a month or less. Okay. Um, obviously, you've successfully completed it. When you are going through FTO training, are you a fully licensed police officer at that time? Yes. Okay. Um, so, what was your most current role with the police department? What, what precinct were you out of? Uh, third precinct. Um, and uh, a patrol officer. Uh, responsible 911 response. Okay. What shift were you working? Uh, middle watch. What are those hours? Uh, 4 to 2 a.m. in the morning. 4 to 2 a.m. Okay. Um, and did you have a specific district that you were assigned? Yes, the, the sector 3. Sector 3. Can you just, what are the borders of, or what are the, what's the area that's sector 3? Um, border is, uh, the east border is Hiawatha, the south border is, uh, is Highway 62. The uh, west border is uh, 35W, and the north border is uh, 42nd Street. Okay. Is that a fairly um, busy area of the city? Uh, I would say it's more a quieter area. Of the precinct, I should, I should say. Okay. It's a little quieter area? Correct. All right. So um, are you confined to that district, or are you allowed to kind of go up throughout the precinct? Not, we're not necessarily confined to the district. Um, we're just assigned to, to take calls specifically that district and, and patrol um, that area, uh, but we're not necessarily mandated to. Um, so, I mean, the incident we're going to talk about here that happened on the 25th, that happened in the area of 38th in Chicago. That Would that be outside of your normal patrol district? Yes. Is it common, though, to respond as a backup or assist other officers in other parts of the precinct? That's correct. Okay. 
Um, did you have Did you have any additional responsibilities with the police department? Any specialty assignments or? Um, well, I mean, were you yourself a field training officer? Or uh, no specific specialized uh, um, training. Okay. All right. Um, what about a, a patrol partner? Did you typically have a partner? Uh, whoever's assigned to, uh, we're all assigned different squads. Um, pretty much, uh, uh, there's four or five to six people that may be assigned to it. And uh, based on who's working that day, it's uh, whoever's on your squad. Okay. Um, you're assigned to work with. Did it, did it tend to work out that you'd be with one or two officers generally all the time? Or did um, you constantly have different partners? I, uh, I would say the middle, uh, since I went to middle watch, uh, I've, I've gone through uh, several different officers. Okay. Uh, okay, so on, the, so on the 25th, what we're here to talk about, did you have a partner that, that day? Uh, yes. Who was that? Uh, Officer Chauvin. Had you worked with Officer Chauvin previous to that day? Yes. Okay. Um, have you known him for a while? Uh, uh, when I uh, went to third that precinct uh, middle watch, uh, that's when I uh, oh. first met him. And when did you go to third precinct middle watch? Um, went from dog watch to uh, uh, to oh. middle watch. Okay. So uh, I'd say three, roughly three years ago was when I transitioned over. So you've been on middle watch for about three years. Correct. Okay. And so you've known Officer Chauvin for about that amount of time. Yes. And did you regularly? Were you in a regular, semi-regular partnership with him at times? Yes. Okay. Do you know him outside of work? Uh, we don't. We don't really talk outside work. I, I don't really talk much outside. Don't socialize that too much. Okay. Is he related to you in any way? Uh, no. 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 Okay. His wife is not related to us. We're hearing these rumors, yeah. and I wanted to just yeah. figure if that, that's true. It's not true. Okay. Um, as a patrol officer in the third precinct, middle watch, do you wear a uniform? Yes. Do you drive a Mark squad car? I do. Okay. Can you just describe for us kind of what your uniform looks like, your kind of day-to-day -day uniform that you would wear? Uh, navy pants, uh, sky blue uh, shirt, uh, outer sky blue vest, and pretty much your standard police equipment. So... Um, as far as the standard police equipment, you're referring to your belt? Yep, belt. Can, can you just walk us around what you carry in your belt? On uh, my right side is uh, uh, my handgun. Um, uh, on my stomach right side here is my uh, mace. Um, my left side uh, quadrant here is uh, my magazine. Uh, I have uh, also a handcuff right here is about next to my gun. Um, and then uh, another pair of handcuffs. Uh, my back left side, um, along with uh, uh, my radio and flashlight. And I do have a glove, uh, disposable glove holder on the back. Are, are you issued a taser? Uh, excuse me, and, and taser with uh, next to the uh, uh, the uh, uh, radio. So on the opposite side of your handgun. Is that yep. what you're, okay. All right. Um, um, your uniform, do you have any patches or anything like that on it? Uh, standard uh, Minneapolis police patch on both sides. Okay. Um, are you clearly identifiable as a police officer in that uniform? Yes. Have you ever been confused for something else other than a police officer in that uniform? No. Okay. Are you issued a body one camera? Yes. So where on your person do you typically... Right next to my radio, which is, would be right mid... Uh, about approximately mid-chest. Mid-chest, okay. Um, the date we're here to talk about, the 25th, um, was your body-worn camera on your person and activated? Yes. Okay. Have you had an opportunity to, to review your body-worn camera video from that day on the 25th? Yes. When did you watch that? Uh, today. Did you watch it prior to today? Uh, I, I, I did uh, when, uh, to clarify, I guess. Um, I did uh, uh, when we we when we do uh, police calls we have we enter case numbers. Yep. Um, 
and uh, sometimes, uh, majority of times, especially the driver, the, the, the uh, uh, thumbnails okay. of the video will show just the steering wheel. Okay, like the first frame of the yeah, video. The first frame. Okay, so so it, it helps to just click and just see what video this is. Okay, and then and you just pause and then yeah, it's that uh, video. So then I put in the case number. Okay, specific to that video. Okay, so so your responsibility then when you when you have recordings is to categorize them. And sometimes in order to categorize them, you need to watch them. Is that what you're saying? A little bit, just to just figure out what it is. Yep. Okay. All right. And how do you watch them? Uh, is your uh, the phone, the, the city uh, issue phone. Okay. So it connects somehow to your uh, Wi-Fi. Yes. Understood. Okay. Did you watch the whole video or just to get a sense of the uh, what uh, the scene is? Uh, okay. uh, 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 what video this is at? And is that all within the policy of the police department to do that? Uh, there, I don't believe there's a policy that says that you can't. Okay. Perfect. Um, you mentioned you watched some video today, um, and that was here at the BCA, correct? Yes. Who was present with you when you watched that? Uh, my lawyer. Okay. Mr. Pollock? Yes. All right. Anybody else present? Nope. All right. Um, and how many videos did you watch? It was four videos. Did you watch them in their entirety? Yes. Okay. How many times through? Um, uh, once, uh, and then the second, the, the large, longer video. Uh, oh, the uh, second time. Okay, so the main video that kind of shows the, the incident we're here, or part of the incident we're here talking about, you watched twice? Correct. Okay, understood. Well, let me just intervene. Did sure. you watch the entire large video or just parts of it? Just parts. Just parts. So one time through and then went back and watched parts of it? Correct. Okay, I understand. Um, your squad car, they, do you typically drive the, kind of the same squad car every shift? That specific one, 352, uh, is not our squad. Is that the car you were in on the 25th? Yes. Okay. Or designated squad 330, but it was the actual squad is 352. Okay. So your, does your call sign necessarily have to reflect what the squad car number is? No. Okay, so your call sign is 330, but you're in squad 352. Correct. Okay. Um, what did the squad car look like that you were in? Can you describe that? Um, it's one of the older... Uh, <coughs> Squads. Um, it's a SUV Ford. Okay. Um, standard uh, Minneapolis police uh, marked squad. What are the what's like the color signature on it? Black and white. Right. Uh, uh, police shield. Okay. Where's the, the police shield? On the doors. All right. Do you have a light bar exposed or hidden or? A uh, light bar. Light bar. Okay. Light bar. Is, are there record, is there a recording device, a recording system in the squad car? It is a MVR. MVR. Okay, and is that, what is an MVR? It's, a, uh, it's basically the camera uh, for the squad. Okay. It faces uh, uh, forward. Um, okay. Um, do you know if the MVR was activated um, during this incident we're here to talk about? Um, I activated uh, when when uh, started out code four, or excuse me, code three run. Okay. And then once... Uh, uh, it was deemed, uh, dispatch said it was, uh, or squad 320 called it, uh, they're cold full. Yeah. We slowed down, I turned off the, uh, the light and turned off the squad video. Okay, so, um, when you say code three, meaning, uh, lights and sirens, emergency. Does the camera automatically turn on or do you manually turn that on? Uh, uh, automatically should turn on. Okay, and then when you downgrade, does it turn off automatically or you manually? I manually turned off. Okay, understood. Have you watched that video at all? Uh, no. So is that, you turned that off before you got to the scene? Is that, is that how I'm understanding that? Correct. Okay, so it would just show you driving fast for a little bit. And then, okay, understood. All right. Um, that day when this incident happened, prior to the call that you went to assist at 38th in Chicago, do you have any recollection approximately how many calls you had been on prior to that? Rough estimate? Um, I would say three, possibly four. I, I don't recall offhand. Do you remember any of those calls? I remember the last one. What was that? Which was a, a, a domestic uh, uh, with uh, a custody, uh, parental custody domestic. 
Um, I've just been a couple hours doing that. Okay. Was there an arrest made or anything significant about that call? Uh, no. Okay. Um, and then, as far as designating tasks when you're with a partner, um, who was driving at the time you guys went to 38th in Chicago? I was driving. Okay, and so what's your role as the driver? Is, is there a designated role that the driver has versus the passenger? Uh, generally, it's, uh, and for uh, me and Derek was the uh, driver, so you're pretty much the chauffeur. Okay. And... He's a report officer, contact officer on the back, just pretty much back. Okay. And do you do that for the whole shift, or do you switch roles? Rotate mid-shift. Mid-shift? Okay. So you hadn't, ship, you hadn't changed those roles yet? Nope. At this time? Okay. All right. Um, when you guys were responding to the call, what, what information did you have? Um, well, I, uh, we're, we, we, uh, we're at the station at the time, okay. and I, I heard uh, 320 kind of uh, call for a backup, and it sounded like it was urgent, just by the, uh, his voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, uh, I went out, and Derek went out as well, and we went into the squad car, um, and then, uh, I guess we, he was uh, reading remarks as we were in route. What did you know about the call that they were on? Um, I should probably... I guess backtrack a little sure. bit. We were initially dispatched to this uh, this call first, uh, out of sector, because we were the only one available. Um, and then 320 uh, cleared their call and canceled us, so uh, and took their call in their sector. And, and, um, uh, and so I I had I had heard remarks that it was a forgery in progress. Okay. All right. Um, and then, before we get into kind of the story about what happened, um, Squad 320, tell us about those officers. What do you know about them, or how do you work with them? Well, uh, very new. I believe uh, Officer King was just two days off FTO. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, Officer Lane was about a week just off FTO as well. Okay. So... Um, in your experience, is that pretty common to have two kind of rookie cops ride together? Um, I, w- I would say uh, yes. Yeah. Did you experience that when you were a rookie cop? Um, no, because I was assigned to a day watch shift, so there were a bunch of old people there working. So, <laughs> so you were by yourself, I probably? Was, I was the young buck working with the older gotcha. okay, officers. Okay. All right. Well, um... Thanks for answering all those questions, Officer Tal. I guess what we'd like to kind of have you do now is just kind of tell us in your own words, from start to finish, what happened. And then at the end, we'll likely just need to clarify some things if it's okay. But for now, we'd just kind of like to hear from you what, what you remember about this call and, and what happened. Um, so we're, we're at the station, about uh, to lunch, um, 320, uh, ends up asking for a backup. Uh, it sounded like it was something urgent, uh, like they are struggling somebody. So, uh, being that I believe we're the only uh, squad left available by default, uh, uh, we went to the system. Uh, uh, I, I drove us about halfway there, and uh, 320 had called uh, code for it. We said they're okay. Um, dispatch canceled us, uh, but I, knowing the area, and, and they're so new too, um, knowing the area, uh, it's uh, the cut food, especially that specific store is a yeah, known blood game to hang out, uh, especially hostile to police. So knowing it's just those two there, uh, especially very new. I decided to continue at least to give scene security uh, for them to uh, finish whatever uh, call they were doing. Um, so uh, we continued on to go assist. And once uh, we come in westbound from 38th, I see uh, right at the intersection, I see a, a park officer chain uh, with two. Uh, 
uh, oh, with, an, I believe, male and female there. Uh, it looked like they were being detained, uh, being that he was uh, outnumbered. Uh, uh, I pulled off to the left side uh, to, to back him up. Um, he waved us off, kind of pointing to the other side of the intersection. Uh, so, uh, uh, meaning maybe he's uh, wanting us to go to the other side of the intersection. So I ended up uh, getting out of that, uh, driving towards uh, Squad 320. Um, as we get out, I could I could uh, immediately kind of hear a, a guy yelling, uh, a, a citizen uh, yelling, uh, saying something similar to, "Hey, just do what they say," you know, just uh, similar to that. You're not gonna win. Uh, basically, trying to uh, reason with with a guy as I approach. Uh, the, the squad, the doors open, uh, the rear driver doors open. I see Officer uh, King trying to get the uh, uh, off, uh, leader to be uh, Floyd. At that time, we didn't know his identity, but um, and Floyd uh, resisted and refused to uh, voluntarily sit in the squad car uh, as uh, Officer. Uh, King was ordering him to sit in there. Um, uh, I could see that uh, Floyd was uh, was stiffening up his body in a way to kind of prevent Officer King uh, to kind of insert him in there. Uh, Floyd's kind of a bigger guy, so he's, he was, he's bigger than all of us. Um, and he's yelling, saying he doesn't want to go in, into the squad car. Yeah. Uh, and uh, saying he's claustrophobic. Um, from my understanding, he was, take, uh, was sitting in the squad in the vehicle prior. So, um, uh, officer, as officer uh, uh, King was trying to get him, they, they were able to kind of get him his head in at some point. Um, officer Lane is on the other side. Of the squad, the, the uh, opened the, the rear passenger door. Uh, essentially, Officer King is trying to push uh, as uh, Lane is trying to pull him in uh, because uh, uh, Floyd is resisting and, and not following directions. Um, at, at some point, he's able to get. Uh, his body inside, but ends up fling himself out uh, out of the door where Lane was uh, trying to pull him in, which is the, the rear driver, or excuse me, rear passenger door. So he flings himself out. Um, uh, Officer King goes around uh, and tries to uh, kind of get Floyd again, trying to get him inside. So I, uh, I, I take the initiative to be now to, to take the bird, uh, passenger door and become the puller. Uh, I never get a chance to uh, get, uh, pull him in just because uh, Floyd, if they can get Floyd in close enough for me to grab him uh, as he's resisting. Um, so at, at that point, I... I I determined that I need to go around and just tell them, hey, this is pointless. Uh, this is not going to work. He's going, he's not going to go in, he's not going to be cooperative. He's already shown it. Uh, if we put him in there, he's just going to end up uh, being, the possibility he might end up hurting himself as banging himself on the windows or kicking out, damaging the squad car. Let's just stop what we're doing and put him on the ground and call for an ambulance. Um, uh, it was obvious to me that he was uh, like a high on something. Uh, just from my experience, the way he was acting, uh, 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 the lack of being able to reason with us or even calm down. Um, so as I uh, as we put him down. 
Um, he's still struggling, kind of uh, trying to get up and, and just not relaxing at all. Just, uh, and they're trying trying to get control of his body. Uh, so I determined since it's, uh, I could tell that the three officers on the ground were getting tired. Um, everyone's breathing hard. So uh, I decided let's grab a hobble and and try to restrain him that way. Uh, so I, I go into the back of this the, the uh, squad 320 and uh, try to and I, this whole time I'm trying to communicate with uh, 320 trying to figure out where their their hobble is because I have no idea where it is because um, I'm the only available hands that can do that. So uh, I ended up finding uh, the hobble. I think it was, uh, I believe, Austin Lane's um, uh, bag, and I never handed it to one of the officers. Um, but then uh, at that time, it was several minutes had gone through, uh, and I already know Amit's on the way. And I already communicated with them uh, to figure out if the uh, ambulance is on the way. And, and I asked, I asked Officer Lane, hey, just to verify, do you, do you guys have ambulance on the way? Yes, code two. And uh, the situation where uh, the crowd was starting to kind of gather up, and uh, uh, especially in that area where there's hostile police, and, and the way uh, Floyd is acting, uh, I. We went, we went on the radio and told dispatch that we needed the ambulance here, code three, emergency lights and sirens. Um, since the ambulance is already on the way, um, we decided to just forego the the, uh, the the hobble and just hold for now, since because uh, we're if we were to hobble with him uh, once the ambulance arrive. We would have to undo it again uh, to put him onto the stretcher. Um, as as a waiting for ambulance, I take uh, position kind of as a, a human traffic cone, blade it off uh, a bit. Uh, is just so uh, on traffic northbound in Chicago, kind of see. Uh, see me, so they don't. So the vehicle doesn't hit my partners on Floyd because they're low to the ground. So I wanted to get myself off the traffic, uh, offset myself off the traffic a little bit, um, and also be able to uh, be in view of the, the growing crowd. Um, uh, so I, I just kind of. Uh, uh, so the entire, the rest of the time, I'm just kind of focusing on traffic and, and the crowd. That's that's what I felt my job was at the time is crowd control and make sure my guys don't get run over. Um, as the crowd is starting to grow and uh, become loud and hostile towards us, uh, I decided that uh, to forego traffic and. Uh, put myself in between the crowd and the officers and, and turned off uh, looking at uh, just spending the uh, uh, majority of my attention looking at the crowd, make sure they don't uh, charge us or bull rush us as the officers on the ground are uh, defenseless. Um, uh, the, eventually uh, EMS arrives the paramedics arrive and, and uh, they board the, uh, the uh, they load and uh, Floyd. Um, uh, after uh, uh, so I, 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 I didn't see when they, they loaded him, but uh, I was kind of work, focused on the crowd at the, that moment. So Officer Shannon kind of tapped me and, you know, hey, hey, let's go, we're done. 
funnel. Uh, that's when we uh, left that original the squad 320 and went across the street to uh, 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 check on Officer Chang since he was outnumbered. Um, it is so. It, that that right there is pretty much essentially what uh, he, he pretty much done with any contact with uh, Floyd. Okay. What what happened though after that? Like you went over and saw Officer Chain. What happened from there? Uh, I, uh, trying to figure out what exactly are we going to do with this car? What what what? Because me and Officer uh, Shivan are the backup officer. We 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 have no idea what's going on uh, uh, as far as this guy detained or you know or whatnot we're we're acting in good faith uh, uh, with, with uh, squad 320 and 3 or uh, 8.30 because we're the last ones there um, so as we're trying to figure out uh, what's going to happen next um because this is 320's call. It's their call what they want to do with with the vehicle. Uh, we're just backing up. Um, so uh, 320, I guess, Officer King said uh, uh, that at some point, well, I guess let me backtrack a little bit here. As I'm uh, trying to figure out with Chang what we're going to do, we just, we just kind of slip by and then the fire department shows up. Uh, at, at that time, I don't, I don't know what the, what the status of Floyd is. Um, uh, the fire department shows up and, and they ask us, uh, what, do we, what do we need? And, and I'm like, I'm kind of baffled. Like I, we just needed ambulance. I don't know what, uh, what you guys are here for. I assume that was unrelated to us, maybe with the medical and, and, uh, inside. Uh, to cut food or something because uh, the fire department went in, inside to go check. Uh, as they're checking, uh, dispatch asks us, uh, uh, tells us that uh, the fire department is looking for the ambulance. So I uh, uh, walked up to the uh, fire uh, engine and told the driver, or yeah, the driver, I believe, like, hey, um, the dispatch says you guys need to go to um, uh, 36 and Park. Uh, they're working, doing the CPR. Um, and that's when the fire uh, guys come back. I kind of tell them the same thing. They end up getting back on and then getting uh, heading to uh, 36 and Park to assess with uh, the ambulance. Um, end up going back to the officer chain and uh, he, he ends up clearing his uh, uh, I tell him hey I basically uh, uh, it looks like this guy is being worked on so this could potentially be a uh, critical incident if he dies I don't know his status but they're doing CPR um, so just just make sure uh, to do your uh, do a report if anything comes supplement or whatever um, if you need, uh, anything uh, changes I'll let you know uh, it takes off um, uh, Lane I think uh, Lane I, I I believe went to ambulance with um, went in the ambulance with uh, uh Floyd, uh, so it, it left uh, Oscar King uh, there with us, um, and then uh, we're, we're trying, I guess, to talk to him about what, what he wanted to do with the vehicle, um, or actually he's telling us that, um, so he started proceeding to tell me, like, uh, kind of like this vehicle is leaving part, we're just going to... Uh, uh, take the keys for safekeeping and leave it here. And, but I, I, I stop him, and I don't. And this is more maybe attributed to 
his lacks of experience, I don't think he realized the gravity of the situation, potential situation. So <clears throat> I tell him, uh, no, we're not. We, uh, we're not going to leave the scene. Uh, you, need, you need to call uh, the sergeant, notify them of what's happening. We need to hold the scene, uh, especially the vehicle, because it uh, could potentially be evidence. Uh, that uh, of this whole incident so he, he ends up uh, I don't remember I think officer Chavin might have been the one that called uh, I don't recall off uh, we've been one of those two uh, 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 Sergeant Pluger and he arrives on scene and I believe officer King uh, fills him in on what occurred What happens from there? Um, uh, Sergeant Pluger uh, s said that he needed to go check on the status of Floyd. Um, and uh, we, me and Officer Shadner, to go with him up there. Uh, uh, and and it, at this time, Lane gets the ride back uh, with the uh, fire department and dropped off. Um, uh, so they, they, they're instructed to stay with the vehicle at the scene and hold the scene for that as potential crimes. That's the first 45 minutes and 47 seconds, and there's still almost, uh, I'd say, 54 minutes and a few seconds. So we're out of time for this segment. We'll close this segment and pick up the testimony, the interview, pardon me, the interview on the next segment. Thank you for listening.